You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain Westwire football podcast, week eight recap. MWR.com is, you know, Matt, the website we kind of post in our podcast or written work, other random stuff we do from time to time. So if you're new, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, just follow us wherever we go. MWCR on Twitter. We do some fun stuff there. And we're here. Week eight was, uh, I don't know, Matt, how would you describe week eight really quick before we get into games? Sort of a mixed bag. That's a fair point. A lot of backup quarterbacks, lost a couple surprising results, um, special teams weirdness for a lot of teams, right? Yeah, and and unfortunately, a game got canceled as well. Yeah, we'll just start with that really quick. So, over the most people probably already heard the situation. Of, I don't want to say situation; that sounds kind of tack tackless, kind of. But San Jose State unfortunately had their game canceled or postponed. Everyone put out Camden. Um, running back can't uh, excuse me sorry I apologize here my voice is kind of out of it not feeling the best but they had Camden McRae freshman running back um, I don't think we talked yeah we briefly talked about this in our preview podcast right or did we not get to it I'm trying to recall if we did or not. Um, well I mean we talked about the game but the the unfortunate accident that surrounded his passing I don't think that happened until Friday morning correct so and then the game the, and then the uh the decision to cancel the game was made later that day. So that, that's right. McWright was on his electric scooter about six uh, from the police report, six fifty one a.m. local time. Uh, got struck by a bus. Unfortunately, passed away on his way to a morning workout. And so New Mexico State's like, well, we're going to postpone the game, not play the game. Um, as for what will be played, we're not sure. Though I put a brief one line note, which I said was insignificant because obviously bigger issues with somebody passing away, their family, teammates, friends, everybody who knew McWright, uh, probably a really bad place, not just kind of a terrible situation, um, would be probably December, the weekend of championship games, if San Jose State doesn't go. Maybe the week Yeah, after. it would be either that or, you know, during the week of Army-Navy. Yeah, potentially, depending on what bowl games Spartans may go to. So that doesn't really matter if that happens or not, because other bigger things, that's the time it would be played. But I think mm-hmm. it's the right decision. That's the day before. It's it's hard. It's like, 
it's I can't imagine losing a friend or something just happened. Oh, going to practice and going in the bus, like the bus driver. There's people on the bus too. It's like, I, is it wasn't a school bus, correct? Wasn't that what it was? Yeah. So there's people on the bus. So it's like, no, that's very unfortunate. It's just a heartbreaking situation. So that game, unfortunately, did not get played. And so it's, it'll be played what happens. But hopefully for Nick Wright and the family, direct family and everybody else who knew him, they can kind of. Uh, grieving their own win, kind of move on and hopefully just remember him the best they can because that's uh, that's terrible, man. Not fun. That's uh, I had a friend like real quick when I was like ten. They like a van flipped over and like my best friend passed away like coming home from a trip and so those things like you're that little. I know different age and stuff, but those are mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what age, but it's just tough, man. It's hard. So hopefully, and all kind of uh, they can kind of just get together and kind of just um, handle it in their own way. So. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it seemed like it has happened across the college football landscape a handful of times this year. I think it, it wasn't there another unexpected passing in Mississippi State sometime last week as well. It, yeah, it, I don't know the circumstances, but yeah, just sometime last week, a freshman was, well, I think, a 19-year-old. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things where it sucks. It's, it's, it's a loss for everybody. You know, it's yeah. a loss for the game, for the, for the future of the game, especially. Yeah, their family that they love football. They're there for a reason, career-wise, all that stuff. It's uh, yeah, it's tough. It's not fun. So, no way to move eloquently along. But let's uh, we got a couple of games on the weekend. We'll get to real quick here. Started with the uh, UNLV at Notre Dame, which Matt, uh, can we get Doug Brumfield back soon, please? I know he warmed up. He's out there, one step closer to playing. I saw the tweet you put out. Well, see, I didn't. He was out there throwing, kind of dressed, ready to go a little bit, but he's still not ready to play. Now. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't dressed, but he was sort of warming up, light warm ups and things like that. That was courtesy of Steve Cofield out there in Las Vegas, by the way. That's right. I knew, I knew he's out there at some level. So, but the game forty four twenty one, first quarter ugh, brutal, down twenty three to seven. But the big story was special teams and defense by Notre Dame. They had two block punts in the game one, where I watched it again today because. I had to go back to my peacock to white white find it and watch it some some highlights. Number I forget his name. Whoever number seven was literally untouched in the first block. Like he could have walked in. Like mm-hmm. I can't imagine a punter. They showed a side angle because it's funny. I'm looking at the uh, Notre Dame website on NBC, like Irish Fighting Irish, whatever dot com. They have like like Pro Football Talk those affiliate sites. A couple of those, and they showed a side view. The punter has the ball looking down. I can't imagine he comes up. He's like. Oh crap. <laughs> like he doesn't see the guy coming because he's concentrating, getting the ball to go. Block mm-hmm. punt, two of them. And it was reasonably close to the first quarter. It was 10 to 7 for most of the way. But then the um, the field goal, back to back field goals. Um, UNLV couldn't take advantage of fumble or turnover on downs by Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame had, gave UNLV some chances to kind of stick around in the game by coughing the ball up on their side of the field. Going for it. I know that it's in the red zone situation, like really close to wanting to kind of make this game literally crush it and be score 30 points in the first quarter. But there's a couple of situations where UNLV made a couple plays, but just it clearly wasn't enough to win. But that's two block punts. That's a brutal. They forced turnovers, which is good. 21 points. That's fine. Notre Dame missed a field goal, but it's just the consistency of what UNLV has overall. The quarterback play of Cameron Phil and Harrison Bailey weren't very good. They did barely combined for 150 yards. Notre Dame lost their own quarterback. Um, did they have an injury to the quarterback as well in this game too? Who left the game? Uh, not that I recall. Oh, I mean, maybe I they... they came into the game without without Tyler Buchner, but Drew Pine was. Yeah. You know, he he didn't light the world on fire. He was only 14 of 28, 205 yards. 
But it seemed like, you know, other than UNLV's ability to create those couple of turnovers in the middle of the game, like the worst thing I could say is like this is this is far and away the worst that UNLV has wor- has looked this year. Yeah. Oh, what it, it was. It, um, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah, no, you go ahead. No, it's just a quarterback thing, just so I don't forget the uh, dummy. Marcus Freeman wanted to put it back at quarterback had they scored at a certain point in the game. So that's all. Mm, yeah. It's, I mean, you know, UNLV otherwise didn't really have an answer for Michael Mayer. The you know, who's to be fair, he's probably Nobody. Gonna be playing on Sundays next year. He's uh, you know, six end. catches, 115 yards, one touchdown. Two. But didn't he get the first down too? Oh, not the touchdown, but the third and one. They did the let's go in motion, take the ball under center too. Come on. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. That's correct. Um, and they did. They also didn't have an answer for Logan Diggs, which, you know, again, that's the third straight week that UNLV's run defense has really been pummeled, you know, first by San Jose State, then Air Force, and, and now the Irish. You know, if you're looking for silver linings in this game, it's that, you know, they played decent red zone defense. Like, you know, as, as rough as the final score looked, it also could have been a lot worse. Short fields, Notre Dame, that doesn't help. Yeah, but other than you know the the touchdown drive in the first quarter, you know the the offense just they they struggled for basically way too long in this game. You know they had nine three and outs all together, including six in a row in the first half. So, and that included you know the turnover on downs and and the fumble recovery that they had in the second quarter. So, and by the time they were able to get things going, and they had a couple of nice drives in the second half. But the game was already well out of reach by that time. And so, you know, to circle back to what you said, <laughs> I'm with you. They really cannot get Brumfield back soon enough. Yeah. You know, over to over 12 on third downs on offense. Yeah. Zero TFLs, zero sacks on defense. So, I mean, yeah, obviously Brumfield is is the biggest person that they've been missing. But, you know, they've been struggling with injuries on both sides of the ball. So, I, I, I'm tempted to say that the worst is probably over, but yeah. then you know they because they do get a bye week next week, and then then the gauntlet comes because then they get you know a road trip to San Diego State and a home game versus Fresno State back to back, and at that point, two weeks from now, we're going to find out exactly where UNLV is at. Yeah, this game like. Notre Dame's not great, and they scored all the points. But just we'll wrap it up here real quick. If you not again, I said well, I guess, I guess the we should say bright spot. Courtney Reese had the huge seventy-four yard run and had one hundred and forty-two yeah. yards in the game. So even without that long run, ten for seventy-five is still seven and a half yards per carry. So he, he yeah, but ball. you have to remember too. He also had the forty-seven yard run. Oh, in that's the third right. Quarter as well, ah, I forgot about that. So maybe I so he, he basically had like th- three chunk runs of seventy-four, okay. forty-seven, and thirteen. Okay, that accounted for one hundred and thirty-four yards altogether. Okay, and how many yards did he have in that game? One hundred and forty-two. Yeah. So okay, my bad. I forgot he had yeah. that second long run, but he still got the yards, which is good to see breaking away. But it's hard. Like the game, whatever could have been closer if you. Don't get blocked two punt blocks right there mm-hmm. in your in your own territory. Okay, maybe it's really thirty one twenty four. That looks a lot better if they get an extra field goal in there and Notre Dame gets through whatever ten fewer points thirty four twenty four something like that. Mm-hmm. But like yeah, the offense didn't do well. Defense uh, clearly with no make getting no pressure against uh, Drew Pine who whatever two hundred yards that's fine. They got the pick, but like, the nine TFLs allowed. 
the four sacks, that was the, that's probably the biggest difference again, the, the deep, the playing in the trenches, which makes the most sense. Offensive mm-hmm. line couldn't do much. Obviously they couldn't protect defense. Couldn't get pressure. They have a decent game. Like there's, it's whatever. It's a tough, we didn't think they're going to win. I knew, I knew, I thought it'd be a little bit closer, but it's hard to account for special team stuff like that. So that's kind of like, yeah. Interestingly enough, the rebels had in terms of like chunk yardage, almost the same amount that the Irish did. You know, they had eight plays for 233. Notre Dame had 12 for 239. Mm-hmm. But the problem, for the most part, was that when Notre Dame was on schedule on this game, the Rebels just did not make stops. You know, they were you know they were 9 of 17 on third downs overall, Notre Dame was. But more importantly, they were 8 of 9 on third and short, so four yards or fewer. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that that I think is something they're going to look over in the film room and they're going to figure out, okay, we, we've got other up-and-coming offenses you know, that will still left on the docket. What are we going to do to correct? What are we going to do to correct that problem? Yeah, with Fresno, like having Hayner back by then, I'm assuming. I know he's in the boot this weekend. We'll get to it. But San Diego State offense doesn't scare anybody. Nevada doesn't. Hawaii doesn't. But so they'll have one real chance to play good offense rest of the way, pending, if, assuming they get to a bowl game, which seems likely. Yeah. All right, what's the next game we're getting to here, Matt? Let's get into Hawaii, Colorado State. <sighs> Told you, take the Ram, the, the rallying Rams, <laughs> seventeen to thirteen. Okay, let me ask you this right off the top: Was this game as bad as you thought it would be? This is no, because well, the point wise, I knew there would be many points. The I did like I did enjoy the running game a bit here and there. With Dedrick Parson did okay, but Avery Morrow with a big game. There are some longer plays than I thought, like the passing game. Both teams had multiple passes, like over 12 to 25 yards. Their longest mm-hmm. was only 31. There are some – so it wasn't like a rock fight where it's like, oh, three yards punt, three yards punt. There was drives this game. Like, I like how CSU would, was gutsy, went for it in the first drive. They couldn't get the fourth goal at the three, but then going for it. They went for mm-hmm. it twice on fourth down when they were in situations where why the heck not – Actually, no, excuse me, three times. The first half was better than the second half, I would say, just because of there's a lot of punt, handful of punts in the second half. But I do like uh, uh, Jerry Norvell going for it and being gutsy, trying to make those plays. They didn't work out for him. I don't think he completed any – he didn't complete any of those turnover downs. But, no, it wasn't as terrible as I, I thought it would be. It's watched on your, on your phone or tablet. It's not the best situation. So maybe that's skewed instead of watching on a big 40-plus-inch screen at home. But – I do like how these two is a close competitive game. And there were chances like the third and fourth quarter, the end Matt, not a fan was 13, 10 forever, but that last drive, that's a master drive. You want to see 13 plays. Was it 80 yards after the touchback? Clay Millen had a really good game. He had a, had a couple running plays in that time. No, excuse me, one running play or two running plays, excuse me, for hand about a dozen plus yards. Avery Morrow had a couple good plays. He had the, obviously the touchdown run there at the end, but that last drive was what, I think what we'll see Jay Nerville's offense be down the road where just swinging the ball and going 80 yards, seven-minute drive. They basically bled the clock dry and gave what Hawaii had, what, 90 seconds left and do, do something, and they threw a pick. Mm-hmm. So that no, was a fine game. It was, it was a little better than I thought it would be. Second half left to be left a bit to be desired, in my opinion. But Yeah, I mean, I thought it was – I thought it was definitely more of a defensive-minded game on both sides. Yeah. It, you know, both – both quarterbacks had their opportunities to move the football, but I think, you know, just to start by focusing on Colorado state first, zero sacks allowed in this game. Yep. Can, did, did, that was a, that's a huge difference in and of itself. 
And as you mentioned, the fact that they were really aggressive about going forward on third downs ended up paying dividends, especially in the second half. And especially on that game winning touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, you know, you mentioned how, you know, they were aggressive in the, in the first half and it didn't work out, you know, on the, on the last drive that, that Millen had, there was a couple of, of, uh, of passes that he had, you know, one third down pass to Torrey Horton to move the chains, you know, for the fourth down pass to Lewis Brown, or maybe it was vice versa. I apologize. Um, but one way or another, like when they needed him to make big throws down the stretch, he did. Well, they're also and then again six overall on third down, fourth downs. Yeah, I mean, half of those the drive on that what two on that last drive. Yeah, and he also continued to get a heavy dose of help from Avery Morrow on the ground too. Mm-hmm. You know, twenty six carries, one hundred and forty seven yards, two touchdowns. Maybe that maybe this isn't the sort of the high flying offense that Rams fans envisioned coming into the year. But it is. It does look like it's starting to come together, and maybe some of that has to do with you know getting to face a Wyoming or not a Wyoming, a Hawaii defense that isn't terribly adept at generating pressure. You know, they only managed a couple of quarterback hurries. I think I don't even know if they had any TFL. They had a few TFLs in this game. They had five. They're decent amount. Yeah. So it was one of those things where it was just. It was just a you know really well defended game on both hand on both sides, but it was Millen who ended up making plays down the stretch, and, and that's not to say that Braden Shager also didn't have a pretty good game, you know, eighteen at thirty, one hundred seventy three yards, then the one touchdown, then of course the interception to seal it. That's fine. Are we talking enough about Aiden Hector? No, what should we know about him? So what do people, what do people need to hear? I should say that what they need to hear. That's what I need to get at. So I put it out there because I was just sort of curious and you can sort of take this with the grain of salt if you want to, because, you know, some people put more stock into, you know, pro football focus grades than others. But, you know, it seemed to me that, you know, Hector, at least in terms of pro football focus grading, was one of the better cornerbacks anywhere in the country. And it's, I'm, and of course I'm looking at safeties right now. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, You know, he came in as one of the top rated you know, uh, cornerbacks anywhere in the country. You know, he's 58th overall uh, among F- among FCS and FBS quarterbacks. I'm trying to see where he is in terms of Mountain West quarterbacks. Well, he did have a two pass breakups in this game, or pass defended, whatever that technically term is used. He's number so. one. He's the top-rated cornerback in the conference right now. Yeah, he is. He's sitting at um, – look at the stats. Two picks, four breakups, six, t- six defended passes. Yeah, and so he he's really come on strong, especially since getting elevated into the starting lineup, or at least you know more heavily into the the defensive back rotation yeah. back in uh, week six, I believe. So a few games ago, and he did not you know, play the first making... two games. Also, we should note he didn't play Michigan or Middle Tennessee State. Yeah, so like he is you know one of those cornerstone guys where you know he was sort of a late entry, I think, into the the recruiting class, if I remember correctly. So we weren't, you know, I think maybe what was expected and got a little bit overlooked in terms of everybody that Colorado State was bringing in this offseason. But it seems like he's slow, he's becoming sort of like Millen, sort of like Morrow, one of those cornerstone guys that the Rams might be able to rely upon over the next couple of years. Yeah, he's a sophomore, more sophomore. Millen's a technical Richard freshman. You have Ju- Justice Ross Simmons, a freshman who led the team receiving. This team, like, 
we knew there'd be current growing pains and I, maybe people thought the real could come and be a little more quick fix on the transfers. But then again, look at how many guys left instantly as well, who came in either Kate, like Dante Wright left and other players left as well. You have Tory Horton. He might be back again from there, I'd assume. So yeah, I, we don't, I don't, I don't want to overhype. They beat Hawaii, only scored 17 points. They weren't, I mean, obviously this is not a beating an amazing team out there, but like you mentioned, the cornerstone guys, there's, players at every level of position, offense, defense, running back, receiver, QB, who are out there who are going to be around for a year, two to three years. So like they lose Cameron Carter. That's a big loss. But – and he's been playing okay this year. But most of these young guys are not just young, but to make a plays. And that's what mm-hmm. we'll see in a couple of years of what goes on with like Aiden Hector, um, Ross Simmons, all these other guys. And, and every more, 147 yards, two touchdowns, 67 long. Clay Millen also should mention 53 yards rushing running as well. So this is a good team that not well, sorry. I don't want to overhype, but there's it's just it's, it's a slowly improving team. Yeah. And like, I, I, I just want I just want to point out, you know, they're they're still getting outscored on the season, but they do have a plus point differential in conference play through three games. Also, I believe the bear on Twitter was, was that his what's again ESPN? Is it the bear, whatever that guy is? Mm-hmm. Chris, whatever. He's like the Rams are like six no un- taking the under. Well, now they're seven no. I think it is. So there you go. Every game yeah, okay. under. So I'm like all good for that <laughs> this week for me. Okay. Yeah. If, and if if you're if you're a Rams fan who uh, who's daring to dream a little bit, Ooh. they they do go on the road to Boise State next next week. This hold on. I, I, Technically speaking, like... they still control their own destiny right now. Okay. I'm. Okay, I'm not feeling great, but I'm putting this out there. If this is the year they finally beat Boise State and it's on the road and with this type of team, they're going to burn Albertson Stadium down if this happens. <laughs> just I saying. just, you know, I just, I just, I realized that coming into the game <laughs> or coming into to, to the to, to the end of the weekend. Yeah, I didn't. Col- you know, Colorado State's—they've been playing better. Like it, ha- it hasn't been perfect. But they've been playing a lot better than they showed in September. And we'll get to Boise. It's not like their offense is killing it either, but we'll get to them in a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fresno State 41, New Mexico 9. No Jay Kaner, no problem. Logan Fife, like you put the winners and losers column, had a pretty good game. 225 yards, TD to pick. 
two, three total TDs, including rushing. This was one of those games to watch him like. So I, I, I finally pointed up to buy you to get some uh, pay service like YouTube TV for the time being because Fubo's being a. Uh, they're a great service, but I'm a little concerned at the moment. But you can watch games in two speed now, which is awesome. I didn't realize you could. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I saw the score. I'm like, all right, let's watch this a bit faster. This game was like a slow burn throughout. 10-3, 14-14 for Fresno State. New Mexico was never in the game, but Fresno State was like, ah, well, we'll score here. We'll get some points here. They just throughout the whole game had no issues against what the Lobos are presenting. And Justin Holiday played quarterback for New Mexico, started. This stat line kills me, man. 8-16 for 37 yards. It, this New Mexico team, there's like they're taking steps backward defensively. They didn't do what they typically been doing. Like I didn't. No, uh, for lack of a better term, their defense got its ass kicked. I'm yeah, we try to be nice here. I mean, we just talked about it with UNLV. Yeah, and so I, I do think it is worth pointing out that you know Fresno State was not only were they ten of sixteen on third downs in this game, mm-hmm. they were seven of eight on third and short. So same as as we just talked about with Notre Dame. The Bulldogs were rare, very rarely behind schedule. You know, they they averaged 6.5 yards per play, and there really isn't, like, any quarter splits or anything like that that make it deceptive. Like, they came firing out the gate in the first quarter. Yeah, it was only 10 to 3, but they were averaging over two full yards per play in the first 15 minutes, and then they sort of let up a little bit before halftime still went into the first half uh, or at the end of the first half with a 13 to six lead and then just boat raced them in the second half. Yeah. They just were consistent and took care of both sides of the ball. It is funny. The first drive of the game, 12 plays, 67 yards, 235, a field goal. Next touchdown drive, 13 plays, 75 yards, 619. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. They they had a little, a few hiccups on those punts in the first half, but you're right. The second half, they were, they intercept. There was the, you know, sorry, that was the five interception led to the, one of the field goals, but they were just, New Mexico had to punt. They couldn't stop them. Eight play drive, 10 play drives. This is a, probably the most complete game Fresno State played all year, but you also played New Mexico and they couldn't get like, no, Nathaniel Jones had a bad game time running the ball. They couldn't do anything on the ground. They clearly couldn't throw the ball at all with 51 yards. And somehow other than Justin Holiday had the minus 11 yards receiving like, Oh, that's great. Good job. Not good. They had no very. They had a little bit of pressure, like three TFLs, but Fresno State ten tackles for loss, Matt. Ten. They were dominant up front, and this was just Jordan Mims as well. Finally showed up and had a huge game. Jalen Moreno Cropper was name called the entire game. Had that huge seventy-five yarder as well. Like mm-hmm. this team is clicking, and it just needs his quarterback back to probably go, instead of going nineteen twenty-nine. Hayner could have maybe gone twenty-four twenty-nine for like three hundred yards, maybe I don't know two TDs. Doesn't matter. They whooped up. They had their best game. Probably, was this their best game all season? The way they played both sides of the ball has to be. Yeah, and even if you, even when you adjust for the opponent, this was their most complete game of the year. I would agree to you. They were just dominant. And Hayner was in the booth. Is he expected to play next week? Is that any update on? Have we heard anything with that? I have not heard anything on that front. Um, I would imagine that we may not hear anything until the press conference on Monday or something like that. If then, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Also, this is a oh, never mind. I should, I should say this for last week. We didn't mention last week that Jeff Tedford broke his FBS losing streak, so we didn't. We saw belated congrats for that, Coach Tedford. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. Uh, next I mean, game. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Can I just can I just you know shout out? You know, we just talked about uh, mm-hmm. you know Aiden Hector as being a name that more people should get more familiar with. AJ Halsey. Did you see that stat line? Um, no, I'm trying to check right now. Where's she at? Where's she at? So, uh, my computer's going. So slow. okay, what so we just talked Go about you know pro football focus grades. Um, AJ Halsey is is the third highest graded oh. safety. Whoa. I see it in now. The country. <laughs> Twenty four tackles. True freshman replacing Tavian Combs at that ever vital logo position. Wait, have any? I have it down as twenty two tackles on the ESPN. stat broadcast. I'm an regardless, regardless, a lot solo. of tackles. And he had, and he had the interception. We talked about the twenty tackle performance last week. This is uh, who was it two weeks ago? Was it the? Oh shoot, who was it recently? Uh, about last week, right? <laughs> Oh, uh, Austin Ajiaki, UNLV. Yeah, UNLV, yeah, because yeah, he had him. We talked about it last before. That was like Woodward from Utah State. So 20-plus tackles, ridiculous. Three guys I said think two. He, I think he might be the front runner for freshman of the year in the conference right now. I I, I made a mistake. I don't think I put him in our midseason stuff freshman year. I apologize. I don't think I did. I put in a couple of linemen. I put in some other guys. Um, with this I mean, to be fair, yeah. you know, the, to be fair, there are a, a, a number of you know up and coming freshmen who are really coming on strong in recent weeks. So, mm-hmm. um, still a long way to go. I'm sure they'll, I'm sure the Lobos fans will forgive you for the oversight. Uh, but for the year, real quick, sixty total tackles, twenty six total, twenty six solo, two picks, two forced fumbles. So, they're, they're good they'll, for, they're for get, a true freshman. Yeah, they're getting there. This is just uh, again, it's just find a quarterback. The running game, I know, didn't do well. Get a decent quarterback, and that'll be that'll go a long way. So next game, there you go. This game was weird. Boise State nineteen, Air Force fourteen. Air Force has lost. I think you put this in your call. Was it three conference games losing by fifteen total points? Yeah, they they I believe are the only team in the conference with three losses by one possession. And they're basically are all but eliminated from the conference title race. It looks like. Yeah, you know, that's. I think you know Nevada fans, considering their recent you know uh, experience last year, can probably empathize more than anybody. Exactly. Or Utah State two years ago, like all those one score losses. Oh yeah. Yeah, and okay. So this game, the weirdest thing in the game was the, which almost changed the game was the. I, this is the, the two number seven penalties with Noah and oh shoot, the return. Um, crap. Why am I spacing? Um, not Noah. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, Noah. Wait, he had to pass break. Who's the other number seven? Crap, why am I spacing on? No, I just had it in front of me. The penalty where they had two guys on the, on the field with the same number. Do you remember that penalty? Oh, um, Latrell Cables? Yeah, I, can't, yeah uh, I think so. Because what they were doing, they had their safety. Yeah, so Latrell Cables. Yeah, sorry. I had Noah here in my notes. I don't care. Like, who's the other guy? So basically, the, it's a rule where you can have dual, dual guys on the same team same numbers, but they can't be on the field at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so what they what they're doing was they thought Air Force might fake it. So they basically kept their base defense and then put the returner back there. And that mm-hmm. five yard penalty gave Air Force the first down. And this was the game as it was, nineteen to fourteen, a chance to win. And we'll go backwards here, where they go down, end up being a fourteen play drive because the Air Force defense played pretty good. The force a three and out. Falcon offense had a touchdown before. Because Boise's offense wasn't played well, honestly. If you look at the game, they were only Boise only had the ball three times, excluding the kneel downs at the end of the game to, to run the clock out. Interception, punt, punt. That's all they had in the second half. That's it. 
Offense didn't do anything. On the last drive, they get the unfortunate. And that's a weird call, too. It's like, okay, defense go. Nobody, it's a rare thing to call. So it's just kind of a quirky thing. It's like, oh, dang it. We've left our our returners, our guy. They It's just a mm-hmm. weird thing. But they go down, and as he Daniels, who was banged up and missed time in this game a bit, had that pass and to Dave, uh, David Cormier. But guess who? Noah came in and broke it up to make a huge play to end the game on fourth down. Because it was fourth and, fourth and three. Had the holding call at the like, I think they took down whoever it was. There was holding penalty there on uh, Adam Karras there, Karras there, but mm-hmm. pushed it back. Had a nice roll play. I think had he caught the ball, could have been a touchdown right there. I don't think there's no space for it, but or at least the first down. Game over, nineteen fourteen, and Boise State's offense Matt, the game was uh, there's still there's still a lot to be desired with Taylor Green running the offense. It looks better, well. but. There's, well, I know that, I know there's other reasons why it didn't go well, but Air Force defense held to a couple of field goals, which this game really shouldn't have been this close if Boise's offense was a bit better or had starting running backs in the game. Yeah, I'm gonna, and I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned that because they basically played there. this game without George Halani and with, you know, very limited Ashton Genty. Yeah, um, second half, I don't think, or at least most of them. Yeah, so so they had to turn to Aleon Noah and – I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's less about, I mean, I think it's less about like Boise State playing bad offense and more about Air Force just playing good defense. It's both. I think, I think it's both. I mean, but I think you could all, I think you also have to throw that caveat in there where, okay. you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like abysmal offense. Like, Neither team necessarily had a huge advantage on third downs. For example, Air Force is right around 43%. Boise State was at, you know, 38%, 38.5%. You know, roughly similar success rate, I believe. Roughly similar in terms of, like, the chunk yardage they generated. You know, but but, but I think you know, one of the big problems, which is, I don't, I don't think it's unique to Boise. We talk about it at length seemingly every week. You know, they had red zone opportunities and didn't always capitalize on them. That's who you, you end up with Jonah Dalmas kicking four more field goals, which it's it's nice to know that you can rely upon that. But as you mentioned, if, they, you know, with, if it wasn't for that, you know, game saving, you know, defensive bat down by, by Noah, that this could have been a much different thing. But at the same time, was this their best defensive performance of the year? It's pretty good because they forced the fumble. Like part of it too, like because watching as he gained those, like he he was making bad plays. He took Brad Roberts twenty was it twenty five carries to get to only ninety yards in this game. He was he was out of the gate. Like he only had like I think in the first quarter two carries, I believe. He was not out there for a while. But part of it too, Air Force. They we talked about versus Colorado in other games where they fumble, either lose it or whatever. Ball hits the. They had they had three fumbles, lost one of them. Yeah, they not that's the same. They had many fumbles, and then one where it's going to make a big difference. The one they lost in the first half, they give up the ball at their own twenty-nine yard line, and Boise only goes two yards for a field goal. Mm-hmm. So, but the defense for yeah, Boise State, this is really really good for only allowing fourteen points, and they needed every ounce of defense because the offense was just stalled because the Falcons' defense themselves were playing quite a big game, particularly in the ground game, rushing the ball or excuse me, against the rush. Because yeah. overall, like what they allowed rushing wise, Air Force only had 175 yards, three and a half yards per carry. Oh, the biggest play was that Hazik Daniels' 27 yard run. He did another decent. The one touchdown was very amazing where they pulled the guard and the tackle. That was like the perfect play they could ever run. There was no pitch, man. 
the guard of the attack will come over, lock up with the Boise defender, and he goes right down the middle, untouched for a touchdown. Like, there was no way he's going to not score that time. But overall, there were not many chunk plays through this game. That's how he beat this Air Force team. And Boise's defense had amazing if you had, plays. If you had told me before the game that, that Brad Roberts and John Lee Aldridge III would have zero chunk yardage, I would have said that Boise State would have won by a lot more than five points. Eldridge was minus two on the day. And for some reason, only four carries as well, which is interesting. It just, you know, the, that wasn't there. Boise State gets defended it really well. Because Roberts wasn't there. It's like you want him to get to Lee, and it took a minute to get from Roberts to get going. It took him forever. And he really never did. It took quantity to get to a decent rushing attack overall for 90 yards, but only three and a half, excuse me, 3.6 per carry. It just, it, yeah, it I mean, volume, is, not, yeah, volume to get there. It's not the first time that this unit has, has carried the Broncos this year. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, to date, it is probably the most important juncture at which the defense carried them. I, I mean, I think at this point, it's pretty clear that, you know, even if the offense is still working through things with the new quarterback under center, the defense is the best in the conference, period. Yeah, the, the, the way they're playing, I agree. Like, they, like the San Diego, I know it's like, oh, San Diego State, whatever, the past two weeks, but shutting down Air Force as they did, that's hard to do. And and, you know, and while they aren't necessarily out of the woods just yet, they're, you know, they're already halfway through conference play, 4-0. Undefeated. And, and technically, technically they, they do still have, you know, Colorado State and Wyoming, both of whom for right now control their own destinies. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, for I mean, in layman's terms, though, it's like you know the path the, the path is the, the field is mostly been cleared. Yeah, for the Broncos and, to host the championship game again, and I can see them like Wyoming could be like a, a similar outcome, like similar score twenty one ten or something twenty one fourteen a close game. Mm-hmm. It, like I don't see them blowing it. CSU maybe they could probably put up a bit a few more points, but it the, yeah their path is there for them and. They still have BYU, which looks terrible at the moment, getting their butt kicked by Liberty over the weekend. They wouldn't be surprised this, by the time you hear this Monday morning, Elisa Tuyaki won't be their defensive coordinator. I would – well, that's another conversation for another day for when they play BYU Boise State. But mm-hmm. that's not that game is looking much easier than it had been, say, even a couple weeks ago on both sides. So, yeah, they get the path, and their defense is just crushing. Like, the no-chunk plays is crazy against Air Force. That's how you beat them, so – all right, what do we got next here? What's our next uh, matchup? Uh, that would be Wyoming 28, Utah State 14. Hey, Matt. The, Aggies, said, the Aggies looked like a team that was playing their fourth-string quarterback. Uh, you know, you said, where's Titus Sled? Well, he's ready for this game. <laughs> no kidding. Did, I see the photo I put up for the, one of the articles, him with Bridger's rifle just pointing out in the crowd. Or uh, I did, right? yeah. I, I found that. I found that that uh, you know sometimes you just see a, a photo, and and we use a, the the Imagine service through USA Today. Great photos all the way around. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 one of the team just you know sort of pointing the rifle up at the air. Yeah, great shot. I mean, that's that's really what college football is all about. These rivalry games, and especially when it's a, a resounding. Rivalry victory. Thanks say, to efforts like Swim. You think it was resounding? Because Utah State hat was in the game till the very end. It was it was twenty to fourteen in the fourth quarter. I don't think it was particularly close, despite the score. 
you're not wrong. I just want to point that out, though. I'm not just overly disagreeing with you. I just felt it I was... Mean, because, because I think it is worth pointing out that, on average, Utah State did have better fuel position in this game. You know, they started at their own 30. Uh, you know, Wyoming, by contrast, started at their own 24 on average. But they just did not... I mean, they, they didn't have that many three and outs either. They held only, you know, three three and outs. But they had exactly one sort of convincing touchdown drive. And that was off the that was off the missed field goal by John Hoyland in the third quarter. You know, seven plays, sixty-two yards. Other than that, you know, their, their their next longest drive was you know six plays, thirty-seven yards. And with that fourth-string quarterback, Bishop Davenport, ran too much. You know, it was it was it was just clear that they they could not push the ball down the field like they they like the offense wants to. Four yards per pass attempt. Attempt. Yeah. 17 to 26, 104 yards, one interception. But I think I think what was sort of uncharacteristic for, in my opinion at least, is the fact that he also took six sacks. Yes. Yeah, and maybe that has to do with more of the uh, you know, the internal clock not being able to catch up. But that Wyoming defensive line, man. Even without Cole Godbout over the last few weeks, like it is coming around. Jordan Bergenville had a sack. Devon Harris, you know, retook. I think I think he has the team lead now. He took it away from Braden Siders, who also had half a sack. But Devon Harris had three sacks in this game. Mm-hmm. You know, eleven TFLs as a as a team as well. Technically, it was just, <laughs> Technically, yeah. And so it was just like it was a complete defensive performance. So like you you mentioned that you know Utah State in terms of like the score it was only twenty to fourteen. But Wyoming outgamed them by two to one. You know, yeah, it was just you say it was close by the scoreboard, and I think. Well, all I'm saying is they were. All I'm saying is I get you. I I, I agree. Everything you're saying. They averaged seven yards of play. I didn't even think to look up oh, the geez. last time Wyoming averaged seven yards of play against an FBS opponent, but I would wager it has probably been a little while. All I'm saying is 6.96 if you want to get real specific. All I'm saying with four minutes left in the game, it was 14 to 20. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And and by the way, that was a season high. I I think I I was thinking, when was the last time they did that? Yeah, they did it in the bowl game last year against Kent State. Oh, that makes sense. They they blew up apart. And then (laughs) coincidentally, they also did it last year against Utah State as well. Oh, geez. I know. I'm just saying, fourth quarter, four minutes left. There's, they had a chance. They were not out of it to the end of the game. Even though stat-wise, numbers-wise, they looked outmatched. Quarterback play was not ideal. Despite all that, they had a chance to win this game with 138 left before they coughed up on fourth and three. That's all I'm saying. But yeah. had they had Logan Bonner, had they had even Levi Williams, had they had any other quarterback on the roster, Utah State probably would have won the game. It might have been a much different game, at least. Yeah, yeah I would give them a – like, just saying how – with. Okay, let me put it this way. I'll say it another way. Give me one drive of four minutes left. Any other quarterback, they would have scored a touchdown. I'm, bet, I'm betting. So that's a bold proclamation. I'm just saying, like, even Levi Williams, I think, would have given any. Here's the they would have given them a better chance, and a better chance is better than what they did. I'm just saying, I didn't say they'd score. Well, I kind of did, but I, I don't know. I just felt you're right. You're I'm just saying, like, they were not. Yeah, the numbers wise. Like if we play the like I mentioned before, and Bill C did this old podcast with Stephen Godfrey, bought the uh, blind score bingo. You think how the heck was this game even close? Five hundred twenty nine mm-hmm. yards to two seventeen, four point zero to seven point seven yards per play, 
You had um, turnovers are even, more penalties for the winning team. Rushing was double for the uh, for the winning team. You would have figured this would have been like a forty. To- Post game win expectancy for Wyoming was one hundred percent. Yeah, and it, was, and it was not close to the very end. I'm just saying. But overall, yeah, Utah State really needs one of the quarterbacks to come back. No doubt. All right, final game of the weekend: San Diego State, Nevada. Oh man, it's sad and fun to read Braden's text and our DM message about Nevada's team. He's like, "What is going on here? I don't like this." I'm watching the game. It's, it's. I could, I could see and feel the frustration from him when they lose twenty-three to seven. And Nevada has to use two quarterbacks. St. Illinworth doesn't do anything. Toatow doesn't do anything. Literally, the offense doesn't do anything in this game. Give Spencer Curtis a little bit of pop for 83 yards and five catches and a touchdown. But the offense was, well, they're playing the San Diego State defense and isn't extremely elite, just really good. Made them look really elite this game with how many TFLs and sacks they had, 10 to 3, respectively. Yeah, it's a, it was the kind of performance that just, you know, at this point, you Wolfpack fans, I hope you're in this for the long haul. You have to be. Because I think I think they've sort of settled into this, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, sort of moribund offense, at least for right now. Oh, boy. I think it's just, you know, it's probably just a talent deficit. And so like, if you want to call it, a, if you want to call it a year zero situation, I think you could probably do that. Let me ask, let me ask you this real quick, not game related. Who's in a better situation long term, Hawaii or Nevada? I liked the Timmy Chang hire more than I liked the Ken Wilson hire. I'm with you there. I think there's more. Not that I thought that the Ken Wilson hire was a bad one, but I was more lukewarm on it than anything, mostly because I didn't know what to expect. But we knew coming into the year that this was a team short on experienced hands. And as the year has, has uh, you know, dragged on, it's really started to show more. Yeah, they, it's, it could be lack of experience. It could be talent deficit. It's not having a, a quarterback in the mix. But this is up to, like, defensively scoop and score in that first possession, second play in. Mm-hmm. There's the interception that led to a field goal. Patrick Perforce, yeah. Yeah, 10 points off turnovers there. Quick scoring drives, which you never see, like that four-play 51-yarder for San Diego State who got the ball at midfield after a punt. Field position was their friend in this game. Like It wasn't like San Diego State was amazing. They had no. a fumble in the game. They were their quarterback slash safety slash quarterback, Jalen Maiden, barely 50 not even 50%. 125, yeah. Rushing game wasn't there. Like, he had to run the ball. He had 50 yards rushing, which is nice. And that 32-yarder in the TD running game wasn't, wasn't really there either for a chance to build on the way 55 yards. Um, Nevada's defense did get to the quarterback, two sacks, six TFLs. It's just short field and defensive touchdown was the difference in this game for the most part. And obviously Nevada's own offensive inefficiencies on their own part. But Aztec's offense, not good at all. It's like, ooh, I'm watching what now? Yikes. Yeah, it was uh, it, it left a little bit to be desired. Yeah, it's like they're six to sixty on third down. They eleven penalties tonight. Too many penalties. This game, honestly, worse than CSU Hawaii. Just saying. Too many Ouch. penalties. I'm, right? Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. Too I don't penalties? think you're wrong. Like th- this game was for the truly dedicated among us. 
like I the game with CSU Hawaii was close. Came down to the game when he drive, excitement there. This game was basically over in the third quarter, obviously. No points in the fourth quarter. Thirteen to seven. Okay, I can I didn't trust anything, but San Diego State got the ball by three and a half. But when the, when they got the interception on this on play two in the uh, second half, I'm like this game's over. And then clearly Aztecs went down, scored the touchdown in midfield, and that was all that's all she wrote. That was it. You, you know who has you know who had a really good game though? Who's that? Jack Browning. That's true, yeah. Jack the uh, the punter punter slash kicker for the Aztecs. Guess we gotta find somebody who played good. He had three, three field goals. Three, three of three on field goals. Also uh, launched a fifty nine yard punt, averaged forty you know forty seven yards per punt in the game. He's been pretty good this year. Like he hasn't been like Matariza level good, but that's an impossible standard. Um, yeah. You know, given you know Ariza's predecessors. You know, guys like, you know, Tanner Colgian, you know, Brandon Heikland, those types of guys. The performance that that Browning has put forth this year has been right in line with all of those guys. And so even if the, the field position game hasn't worked as well as it did last year in particular, mm-hmm. like he has still been a, a net asset on the whole. And so I think that that bears watching too, where, Maybe he's not the front runner for special teams player of the year, but it's starting to look more and more like he deserves to at least be in the conversation, pulling double duty to that to that to that level. You know, he's he's also, by the way, um, twelve of thirteen on field goals now this year. Pretty good. Pretty, he's pretty good. Yeah, special teams is not it's not all kick returner, Matt. It's not all touchdowns off the punt. So give punters love too, right? Yeah, kickers, I guess, in this situation. Anything else to add about this game or the weekend? That was... I think we're all set. Interesting weekend. I, I'm good. Here's what we're going to have on the tap this next week. I'm going to start putting up a bit sooner than last week. The path to the title, which looks like Boise's pretty clear. Some interesting tidbits there. Maybe some win, win expectancy, like FBI type stuff to kind of see who could get to six games. Those type of things will be on the docket. And we'll have a week and I next week. We'll know a lot more as we do. We're hitting up. It's getting cold weather, but I have snow in my area, so I'm like, it's really getting chilly, the weather. I hope you get some cooler weather. I know you're going to cooler yeah, places. It dropped from 90 degrees to 72 degrees over the weekend. Uh, that, I think fall has officially arrived here in the Central Valley. Excellent. It's always a bit warmer there, but we got some rain mixed in. Like, we had the same similar drop, like, mid-70s to, like, obviously it was snow in mid-30s at, at best, mm-hmm. mid-30s. So. All right, well, we'll be back next week or next couple days, I guess, to preview week uh, nine here for MWR.com. Check us out on Twitter, MWC Wire. And, yeah, let's just get Let's just hope your team does well. Let's have some fun, exciting football because there's a lot lots going on. we got four or five games left for each team, and let's uh, finish strong, folks. That's how we finish here.